it's been an interesting week um, of expectation. Um, we have, uh, we are in a season of expectation, right? We're, we're expecting Christmas to come. Um, we're expecting events to take place. Um, we're expecting uh, spiritually, uh, as far as as far as as far as uh, the 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 church calendar goes, we're expecting um, Jesus to come, and we're expecting His birth. And I wonder to um, I wonder back to. Um, to what it must have been like there. We, you heard that reading from Luke. You heard how uh, Joseph and Mary traveled to uh, Bethlehem because of the census. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Um, the time um, is always coming for something. And, um, and, uh, and sometimes our waiting is, um, is like the woman who's in labor. <laughs> we talked about this um, last week. And it's just amazing how these themes seem to be happening. Um, uh, like a woman who's in labor, um, expecting the baby to be born. Um, that's what suffering is like. And that's what pain is like. Um, and yesterday, even though that memorial service was... Um, in many ways joyful, in many ways an encouragement, um, giving us strength to walk out of this place, knowing that our, our brother is in heaven with the Lord, there's still pain. And we experience some of that sorrow and that grief um, at that time as we were waiting expectantly. And while um, in the first century, or just prior to the first century, if we've got our dates right for the birth of Christ around somewhere between 4 and 6 BC, actually, um, that time was a time of expectation, a time of waiting, a time of, of, of God's people wondering, God, when are you going to save us? When are you going to come? Uh, when are you going to deliver us from the, the suffering and the grief that we're going through? And he did come. And he came um, probably not the way, uh, the way anyone expected him to come. I don't know what they expected exactly. But he did come as a baby. He came to be born. And he came to die for us. Let's look together at John chapter 1. John chapter 1 um, right at the beginning, we're going to look at the first 18 verses of John. Um, this is often referred to as the prologue of John. It sets up the entire gospel with some very important themes. Um, the reality is that I should preach four to six messages on the prologue. There's so much um, wealth of, uh, and riches in the word here. I'm going to read all to you, and then we're going to zone in on just a few points um, in our time this morning. But would you read um, silently with me as I read aloud from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son and the Father, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from him, or from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you will illuminate our minds and our hearts um, to the message that you have for us here today. Lord, I pray that um, what you want us to know, we will know. What you want us to see of your goodness, we will see. What you want us to repent of, you will convict us of that we may repent. God, what you want us to do, show us that we may do it for your glory and for our joy. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I want um, to talk about, gosh, there's so many things I want to talk about from this passage, but I guess the main, the main idea I want us to come away with is that the Word became flesh in order to reveal God to us, in order to re reveal God's purposes to us, in order to reveal specifically... His glory, the glory of the Father. The Word became flesh to reveal the glory of the Father. And the Word became flesh to reveal the grace of the Father so that we might receive His grace by becoming God's children. That's a lot that I want us to come away with. But it's sort of my summary of the, the main truths in this passage um, today. Um, let me just, let's just see what the text says about God here. In the beginning was the Word. Who is the Word? Um, and I say who because um, the Greek word for word, you're okay with me saying this, right? The Greek word for word in the New Testament is logos. Or you, some might pronounce it logos, but that's okay. They're wrong. Um, I'm just, just teasing. Um, either way, you got the word logos in Greek, and it's the word. Um, the, we got the word. The beginning of, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is the word? Logos. 
I know, I know, Chelsea's, Chelsea's getting that. We, we got Lagos, but Lagos, is, Lagos meant um, a message or, or speech or literally a word or something spoken. Um, in the Greek mind, it meant maybe uh, uh, the, the, the reason, um, rational thought or, or some, some elevated um, guiding philosophy, perhaps, if I put it that way that was like the all-encompassing um, knowing of things. And in, in some of the Jewish mindset, it was, it was wisdom. When, you, when they talked about this, this logos in first century Judaism, they would sometimes think of wisdom personified in the Old Testament, in the Proverbs. Wisdom is calling out in the streets, come, you who are simple, come to me, gain wisdom. And that's kind of how they thought of Lagos. So imagine reading this for the first time, which none of you had did today. You've heard this passage over and over again. And you already know what it's anticipating. But John's writing this, and imagine reading, in the beginning was the word. Well, in the beginning kind of sounds like Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so here we have, in the beginning was the word, Lagos, and the word was with God. Okay, Lagos was with God, and the word was God? Okay, what's going on here? Why are we using these words? What, why are we using speech? Why are we using ideas like wisdom? Why are we use, using ideas like reason and rational thought? And equating that with God. But then we notice that it's not just an idea. The word is not just an idea because the very next phrase and, and on and on and on, it's he, 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 he. It's a person. The word was a person. And then we realize when we get to verse 17 that we have a name for this person, don't we? <laughs> Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then as you begin re reading further, you see that this man who was sent from God, whose name was John, who bore witness about the light, about the word, we see as, we, as the story unfolds that John is preparing the way for a man named Jesus. Right? And so indeed, Chelsea, the word is Jesus. The word is Jesus. So what does this text say about Jesus? I made a long list. I don't expect you to write them down with me, but if you were to go through and just observe, what does this passage, what do these 18 verses say about Jesus? It says this. He is the word. That's the first thing. Jesus, he is a separate person from God. Notice it says, the word was with God. So, the Word is not the same person as God. There's some distinction there. There's, there's a difference in personality, right? But then he says, the Word was God. So, Jesus is God. So, wrap your minds around that, right? Now, we are, now we're in the, in the realm of trying to figure out the Trinity. Trying to comprehend how can they be one God but multiple persons? Well, I don't know if we'll be able to answer all of those questions about how, but that's what's revealed here. 
<laughs> right? He is the Word. He is a separate person from God. He is God. What else did He... What else? He created all things. All things were made through Him, it says in verse 3. He has life and light, and that light and life, or that life, excuse me, and light are for humanity. Verses 4 and 5 and on. He came into the world. And that's, we see that into ver, in verse 9 and 10. He made the world. That's reflecting back the fact that um, He created all things, yes, but it's also going deeper than that. He created or He made the people of this world. He, uh, he made uh, the world that, that is in rebellion against Him. They are His people. It's His world. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. He made the world. And the world is in rebellion against Him. More on that later. He was rejected by the world. There we go. I said more on that later. That's the next one. <laughs> he was rejected by the world. He was also rejected by His own people. More specifically than the world. His own people rejected Him. He gives sonship to everyone who receives Him, who believes on Him, His name. Here we see that in verse 12 and 13. He says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. He grants sonship to those who believe, those who receive Him. And then in verse 14, we see that He became a man. That's what he means when he says, and the Word became flesh. The idea, this flesh is the body, the, the physical body. Sometimes the word for flesh in the New Testament means something akin to the, the sinful nature. Like our, our sinful self, the sinful side of who we are and what we are as human beings. But here, the, I think the point is very obvious that the Word, divine God, God became a man. And what did He do? He not only became a man, He made His home with us. He revealed the glory of the Father in Himself. He revealed the fullness of God. He revealed a greater grace than what was revealed in the Old Testament and the Old Law. And He has shown or made known to us the Father, God Himself. Well, that's what, as I just, as I, I sat and, and studied this passage this week, it's a long list of all of the things that I observed that John wanted us to know about this person, Jesus. And so, what does that have to do with us? What are the implications for us? <laughs> well, first of all, we live in a world of darkness. John 1, verses 4 and 5. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever been in um, total darkness, ever experienced total darkness where there is a complete absence of light. Maybe in a cave, maybe when, 
maybe when all of the lights went out in the home, right? Power outage and we're in total darkness. But usually some point along the way, it's the, the, the darkness is so brief that a flashlight or a candle comes on, right? Oh, it's so dark in here. Well, not, not so dark. <laughs> not totally dark. Not so dark that you can't see your hand in front of your face dark. But the idea uh, of, of darkness is that it's a complete absence of light. Um, that's how we usually think of darkness. There's just, there's nothing there to, there's no light to illuminate anything. So we think of that as darkness. But John, when he writes about darkness in his gospel, he's not just referring to the absence of something, but he's actually referring to the presence of something that's opposed to the light. He's, he is referring to He's referring to sin. He's referring to evil. He's referring to those things that uh, don't want to be seen, that don't want to be shown up in the light. And in fact, later he says, um, you choose darkness. You people, you want to continue in the darkness because you don't want the light to show up what your lives are really like. We have, we've heard the saying, or we've all, I think, heard the saying, um, and maybe even said it, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> um, or we say, well, I didn't know that was the rule, so I'm okay. Or I would prefer not to, you know, la, 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 don't tell me, I don't want to hear it, because I'd rather be ignorant of something instead of accountable to it. And, and usually what that means is, I like the choices I'm making. I like the way I'm controlling my life. Or maybe even to a point of saying, I like my sin. I don't want the light to shine in that area of my life. Don't talk to me about that. Don't talk to me about that. Leave that door shut with the light off. So I don't want any light to reveal what's really there. Jesus came to be the light to shine in the dark places. And, and here he says, John says, the light, or excuse me, the darkness has not overcome it. It's not come against it. It doesn't have any power over the light. The light will shine. In fact, he says in verse 9, Jesus is the true light which gives light to everyone. And one way or another, the light has shone in every one of our hearts and in the hearts of all the people around us. So, so as Paul said in Romans 1, so we are without excuse. <laughs> We're without excuse. The light shines, we choose to rebel. And that's the first thing I want us to realize, that that's, that's basically our state. That is our place before God. We live in the realm of darkness. We live in the world. We are part of the world. And our only hope is to be brought out of the world by the light of Jesus. We are in rebellion against the light, against God and His ways. But that's not, you know, the final story, obviously. Because he goes on and he says... Even though He came into the world, the world that was made through Him, and the world did not receive Him, 
Um, they did not, excuse me, they did not know him, first of all. And then he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But, in verse 12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. What does that mean? <laughs> receive him. We've heard, you've heard the term, receive Jesus. Have you received Jesus into your heart? Right? We use that term and that, that phrase like, gets a bad rap and and maybe rightly so, maybe we ought to come up with different ways of putting it. But the idea of receiving Jesus is very biblical. It's right here. He came, He offered Himself to us, and who all who did receive Him, who understood Him, who had knowledge of Him, and received Him, who, in other words, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. I think the idea of receiving is kind of like what happens on, um, on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve or whenever it is that you gather together and we exchange gifts. You're sitting there with nothing and then you're offered something and you receive it. And you say, not, you don't say, ah, I'm okay, I'm good to go. Yeah, none of us are going to say that. We're going to say, wow, thank you. That's awesome. Or you may not say that even. I don't know. Maybe the gratitude comes much later. But you're excited about it. You receive it. You enjoy it. The gift is yours. Can you imagine being in such a state that you of rebellion that when somebody who loves you offers you a good gift, you reject it outright. I don't want it. No way. Not from you. I don't. I don't know what's in there. Don't don't like it. I'm really. I I'm happy with what I've got. I'm happy with with my life. That might disturb it. You know. I I don't want the new car because I don't have to deal with the insurance and deal with the you know whatever finding a garage to put it in. No no no. I don't want it. It's like C.S. Lewis said, <laughs> children who are, who are content with making mud pies in their slums because they cannot even conceive of a holiday, a vacation at the sea. They don't understand it. Now, I don't know what you're offering me, but I like what I've got here. Jesus wants us to receive Him, to believe in His name. To believe that, I believe in part, that means to say in our hearts and with our lives, Jesus is greater. Jesus is worth it. What He offers us of Himself is greater than we can get anywhere else. We believe Him, we know Him, we receive Him, believe in His name, and we are born of God. How are we born of God? I think verse 14, which starts off in the, in the ESV as, and the Word became flesh. That word and connecting the, 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 the logical train of thought I think is important. Um, but I think the, the reason why he says that, and he puts it right there, is that he's showing us how we become children of God. 
I would imagine reading this for the first time, and if we really ponder it, wait a minute, we should ask the question in, when we read verse 13, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We ought to ask, is that it? <laughs> all I have to do is receive the gift that Jesus gives to me? All I have to do is to believe in Jesus' name? I mean, in other words, who he is and his character and believe that he is who he said he is and that he is of greater value than what I can get anywhere else? That's it? And then I become a child of God? How in the world is that possible? Good question. And the Word became flesh. Jesus, divine, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh. He became a man and dwelt among us. He made His home with us, in other words. He made His dwelling with us. He, he, he pitched His tent in our tent city of our lives, of our world. And He lived there with us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the crux of this entire prologue. That's why He explains who the Word was from the beginning. That's why He tells us that in Him was life and the life was the light of men. That's why He tells us how the light came into the world. The world rejected Him refused to believe Him, refused to know Him, refused to receive Him. But there is a way. There are those who have received Him and have believed in Him, who have become children of God. Why? And how? Is because the Word became flesh. He became a man. He dwelt among us. When we, um, when we moved... Um, well, we moved several times in our lives. Um, first, first big move for us as a family was moving across the country to Virginia and, um, and moving into the life of an army family. Um, and when we did that, we, we moved to a new place. We moved into the army house, housing. Um, we had new neighbors. Um, I had a new haircut. <laughs> I had new clothes to wear. Um, the girls went to a new school. Um, they everything about our lives was was new. We we dwelt in the army for ten years. Places, different places to shop, different places to eat, uh, different places to live. It was. It was, it was all a, 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 a kind of a, I don't know how to, the words are escaping me. We just immersed ourselves, I guess, that's what I want to say, in that life. Um, when we moved back to the Northwest here, and we made our home here. And um, suddenly I found a, a lot of Seahawks shirts, you know, coming into the family and things like that. It was kind of like, oh, we're, well, we're back in the Northwest and we're, okay, so we're going to, we're, we're embracing our culture. Um, we, we're learning the language here. We're, we're going to new schools. We're, we're shopping in our, in our hometown and we've got our, we've got our doctors here and our dentists here and um, obviously fans of our, of our sports teams here. When Jesus left his home 
when he left his throne and left the Father's side and all the other ways of describing his glory and his divinity, he did something like that. He became flesh, he became a man, and he made his home with us. And he experienced fully what it meant to be human. He lived our life. Yet without sin, and that's an important part to, to uh, remember. And that's seen in, in the next few phrases when he says, we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then skip down, skipping down to verse 16, he says, for, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I think what John is trying to say here is that the law that came through Moses had grace in it because God in His sovereignty and in His love, His, His, His uh, covenant love that He had for His people chose them and gave them a law that they might follow, that they might be His people and experience His blessings on their lives. But when, when Jesus came, grace and truth, the, the true uh, covenant love, grace, and the true faithfulness and truthfulness of God came through Jesus. It shone more brightly. And that's what he means by grace upon grace. This, you had this grace initially, and now more grace has been added on top of that. That is, in a sense, truer and greater and richer than anything they had ever experienced before. Uh, at the end of the story, the voyage of the Don Treader, two days two Narnia illustrations. Hope you bear with me. <laughs> At the end of that story, Aslan tells the children who are, who are concerned, who Edmund and Lucy are, have just been told they will, never, they will never come back to Narnia. And that when they, when they leave that place, um, they're going to be sad. They're going to be broken hearted about it. And he says to them this, Here's, this is the reason why you were here. This is the reason why you came to Narnia and you had these adventures. That by knowing me here for a little, you may know me better there. Back in their home in England, they would know Aslan and learn to know him by another name. That by knowing me here for a little, you may know me better there. If I could just twist that a little bit, just kind of turn it, a little bit in the context. Jesus came to dwell with us so that we could know Him and know who He was. Know Him in the flesh. Know the Word became flesh. Know what divinity looks like. Know what true glory looks like. Know what grace looks like in the flesh so that knowing Him here on earth we will know Him better when we see Him face to face. Or better put, when we are seen by Him, right? How should we respond? 
to um, this message. It's Christmas time, and John 1, 1 through 18 is not a very typical Christmas message. But because we've been in John for a while, I wanted us to look at it together. And I wanted us to see what was really happening in Bethlehem um, on that night, whenever it was, winter, spring, summer, whenever it might have been historically, but we're celebrating it at this time of the year, so let's go with it. In the bleak midwinter, we'll call it, right? That's what we're celebrating. We're not just celebrating angels appearing. We're not just celebrating lights. We're not just celebrating good music. We're not just celebrating family. We're not just celebrating um, the good feelings. We're not even celebrating giving or generosity or love and joy at this time. We're celebrating the Word became flesh. And I hope we get that right. So this Christmas, let's reflect on, let's celebrate the Word became flesh. Let's celebrate that, the, that, the incarnation, the infleshing, the, the Word became flesh. Let's celebrate that. And as well, let's consider our place. Let's consider um, who we are. May I, may I point out a couple of things? John is discussed here, and it's not the author of the Gospel who he's talking about. It's John the Baptist who came as a witness. That was the man sent from God. And there's a lot of sending going on in the Gospel of John. John the Baptist is sent by God to say, prepare for the coming of the Christ. Prepare for Jesus. Prepare your hearts. Be baptized. Repent so you'll be ready for Him to come. Jesus was sent. <laughs> That's what's going on here. As Jesus, the true light, comes into the, or was coming into the world, and He did, did come into the world, and we find as we read the rest of John's Gospel that Jesus was sent by God. And in the same way, He's sending us in John chapter 20. Let me make sure I get the verse right. Verse 21. John chapter 20, verse 21. It's not just John sent from God. It's not just Jesus sent from God. It's we who are sent from God with the grace that came from Jesus to be a witness about Him. When He says this, just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you filled with the Holy Spirit to bear witness to the light, to bear witness to the truth, to bear witness to the Word became flesh. I hope we can take this, uh, that challenge as an opportunity to go, to be sent back to our neighborhoods and our families and all of the gatherings we, ex we, go we experience over the next couple of weeks, to not forget that that's what this Christmas is all about. In fact, that's what our lives are all about. To be sent. To, uh, to share the glory and the grace of the Father. And to share the reason that we are His children. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, thank you for um, the Word became flesh. God, I thank you that we um, that we can know you, that you have revealed your glory and your grace in your Son Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen that along with John. We uh, rejoice in him. We rejoice that we have come to know you through your Son, Jesus. God, I know that this morning... It's our family here, and um, maybe this is the kind of um, message we we wish some other people were hearing. But God, how we need to hear it for ourselves too. We need to be reminded that that you came as a as a child, so that we could be your children. God, may that message be on our lips throughout this Christmas time. God, may um, may we share. Um, may we bear witness. May we be your sent ones, just as John witnessed about you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.